The following is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey. This is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Funny and serious. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in as we shine on today. First, you will fall in love with a funny new dad, a storyteller and comedian and actor. He has a one-man show running through May at the Lynn Redgrave Theater in the Village. The celebrities are lining up for Mike Birbiglia's Thank God for Jokes. When Crystal came the other night, I made sure that he was in like the ninth row. <laughs> you know, like I, Steve Martin came like a month ago, I made sure he was in like the eighth row. If I find out a celebrity's coming, I, I play some back because I, I, I can't handle it. That's coming up and we'll also visit with Nathan Garcia. Nathan grew up on the streets of Yonkers. Crime seemed like the only way to get ahead in his world. Advice from an old-timer in jail. Turn that world around. Now Naden is a motivational speaker and the author of Plan B. Naden has advice for parents who want to keep kids on the right path, too. But first, we head to New York City, and we have a few laughs with Mike Birbiglia. He is an award-winning comedian and actor, the unassuming star of My Girlfriend's Boyfriend and Sleepwalk With Me. He's also the star of His Real Life. A new dad living with his wife and baby daughter in Brooklyn, and like most parents, he's sleep deprived. That's absolutely correct. That's not a good selling point, by the way. <laughs> not a good selling point. <laughs> for my first show, for Sleepwalk With Me, that's a good selling point, but not for Thank God for Jokes. Now, you're unlike other uh, entertainers that you your shows have real themes, right? They're more performances than just stand-up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been working with my director, Seth Parrish, who is the artistic director of the Barrow Group Theater, which is my favorite theater company in New York City, for about, oh gosh, almost 11 or 12 years. And he did my first show, Sleepwalk With Me, my second show, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, and this being my third show, what we do is we try to blend elements of, you know, theater and and uh, and also, you know, hard jokes and, and, and comedy, so, so that the experience ultimately is simultaneously a theater experience and a comedy experience. A theater experience and a comedy experience. The latest show, Thank God for Jokes. When you say Thank God for Jokes, it makes me think that jokes saved you from something. So what were you, <laughs> what were you saved from? That, you know, I think overtly, I don't know if they saved me from anything that I could think of or that's in the show, but I, I think that's very possible. You're making me really think about it. What I, what I say in the show about jokes is that, you know, I feel like jokes are a way that we all connect to one another. I think we, we share jokes with the people who we love and and um, and they ultimately make us closer together, but also can be very divisive simultaneously. And mm-hmm. so it's, in a lot of ways, the, the show is, an, is sort of an ode to the joke and to the idea that we have to protect jokes, you know? Yes. Um, you know, I talk a little bit about the Charlie Hebdo incident in France at the beginning of the show where... You know, these ten satirists were killed for drawing a disrespectful cartoon, and 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 how how sad that was. You know, it, you know, obviously for those people, and then at, at the idea that there's certain things that we can't joke about. Um, I sort of um, I disagree with that that concept. Yes, you believe we should be able to joke about anything. Well, I, what I always say, and this, this, this is a line that was a guiding principle when I was developing the show, and I, 
it's not a line that's in the show because it feels too on the nose, but I can say it, I can tell it to you, <laughs> which is I, I believe that we all have the right to tell jokes and we all have the right to be offended by jokes. And those two ideas can peacefully coexist. Wow. I get that. And it, I also think I it, just got a, a, a lesson that you can't say <laughs> things that are too on the nose in your show. I try not to, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, whenever, I mean, I had a move, in addition to the show, I had a movie premiere, our New York premiere, was at Tribeca Film Fest last night, um, it's called Don't Think Twice, it's starring Michael Key and Gillian Jacobs and Chris Gethard and all these great improvisers and, uh, and, and actors. And, and uh, yeah, I feel similarly about when I write films and when I write shows, is, you know, you don't want to say ultimately what the movie's about, you want to, you want to show people and, and and tell the story. So, so yeah, the, the, the thing I was saying about we all have a right to tell jokes and also be offended by jokes is it's sort of like the, the, the three by five on my bulletin board, but not a line that makes it into a show. Aha, I get it. All right, that's a very interesting <laughs> concept. So that's the idea that's put forth, but you don't come right out and say, this is what we're talking about here today, kids. Yeah, because because people just look around and go, "Oh, come on!" Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you express. We it. know. Usually, usually the audience is ahead of you. You know what I mean? If you if you say something that's on the nose in a movie or or, or a, a live show, people go, "Yeah, I know. I'm watching the show." Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, <laughs> what in the show makes you uncomfortable? Do you have any moments where you're like, "Oh, here comes that moment. It always gives me a funny feeling." Well, I my fa- I will say my fa- the most unpredictable moment of the show is I will generally ask people whether they've been arrested, um, <laughs> which by the way is like a great party icebreaker. If you ever talk to somebody, is you, you get these wild stories, and and then also you never know who's going to be in the audience. So like Rachel Maddow was in the audience like four weeks ago. You know, it's New York City, so it's anybody can be in the audience. Rachel Maddow raised her hand that she got arrested and I said, why, you know, why what did you get arrested for? She said um, "She said it was for protesting but it was on purpose that we got arrested and I said, well that's very convenient if I ever get arrested I'm just going to say well I, I did, did it on purpose. purpose. That Absolutely. way it makes it okay. Now did you know she was there or did you just recognize her? Well it's funny because I you can see what's what's great about the show is at the Culture Project, which is uh, Bleecker and Lafayette, and people. You know, listeners have probably been there for, over the years for different shows. Bridge and Tunnel was there, Sarah Jones's show, and right. my first show, Sleepwalk, with me was there. But it's intimate. It's actually, in a lot of ways, my favorite theater in the city because it's sort of three quarters in the round, and it, it's only about two hundred and thirty-five people. So the first like three rows. You can pretty much see everybody, and so it's a very, I think it's a really special experience. I mean, the, we're going through May 29th, and that'll be, I think, almost exactly four months there. And uh, I feel really lucky every time I get on stage, because I'm like, oh, I get to share this this really intimate comedy experience with, with these 200 people, and I, I love it. I feel really lucky. Wow, that's, that's crazy. But celebrities do show up and sit in the first three rows, and... And the pressure's on you, because what if you don't recognize them? I find out that celebrities are coming, I place them back. Like, right. like Crystal came the other night, I, I made sure that he was in, like, the ninth row. <laughs> you know, like, Steve Martin came, like, a month ago, I made sure he was in, like, the eighth row. If I find out that celebrities coming, I, 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 I place them back, because I, I, I can't handle it. That, that would be, to answer your question, what makes you nervous, that makes me nervous. Yes! Yes! That makes me nervous! That, that you, we got, we, we, we got to the answer circuitously, but that's wow. what makes me nervous. 
Steve Martin and Billy Crystal have both seen your show. Yeah, it's in, it's outrageous. I mean, it, it, like I feel, I honestly feel so lucky, and and it's uh, I mean even Frank Frank Oz came uh, a few weeks ago, and and in the show I tell this elaborate story about performing with the Muppets because it was a Canadian television special a few years ago, and it was hosted by the Muppets, and I had to follow Fozzie Bear. And when I say about Fozzie Bear, I say the thing about Fozzie Bear is that he's actually a pretty good comedian, and I'm staring down in the front row is Frank Oz, who is Fozzie Bear. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, and, you know, and and is Animal, and is, of course, Yoda, uh, the voice of Yoda. And and I was very, very self-conscious, and I I, um, I asked him, he came back afterwards and said hello, and I, I asked him advice about, because they do the voice of Animal uh, from the Muppets in the show, and in the live show, and I said to him, like, how do you do Animal? Do you have any tips? And he goes, he goes, here's all you need to know about Animal. He goes, all he knows about is food and sex and pain and drums, of course, and he eats glass. And I, and ever since then, my Animal has been pitch perfect. <laughs> right. You nailed it. You nailed Animal. That's amazing. And and look, and, and who could have ever thought that you'd be getting advice from? Frank Oz. It is outrageous, Frank Oz. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the greats. So the I have a young friend who recently got into stand-up after seeing you. He was... Oh. Yeah. Wow. And you met him the other day after your Sunday show. Oh, I met him the other night. Yep. Zach Braffio. That's yeah. my he friend. He seems very, very sweet. Sweet man. Sweet, sweet man. I never heard him speak two words, and then he decided he wanted to be on stage doing what you that, do. That sounds about right. By the way, that sounds about right. I, I, I relate to that. Really? Why? You were quiet and shy before all this? Uh, I was I was intermittently shy and outgoing, which I think can be a quality of, of comedian. Because you know, because a lot of what a lot of the, uh, what you're doing as a comedian is you're observing and you're observing and then reporting. Um, I suppose it's what police detectives do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it really is. I mean, so much of it's watching. I mean, as an actor, being an actor as well, it's similar. I mean, I I, went, I think it was in, inside the actor studio with Dustin Hoffman where I was watching. And he said one of the hard things about becoming famous was that I couldn't watch people anymore in the street because they would see it was me. And say, why is that man staring at me? Yes. Exactly. Wow. And so, but listen to this. He goes, he, in the interview, he says, he says, so I got an office in Los Angeles that had a big window that looked into the street so I could stare at people and they didn't know I was staring at them. Oh, wow. That's but it, wild. But it's a lot of it. I mean, to your, you know, your friend who came, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does great. I, I told him awesome. advice that was given to me by Eugene Merman, who's one of my favorite comics, um, and nobody ever wants to hear this, but I think it's true of you know, comedy. I think it's true of a lot of art forms and, and just artistic pursuits. Is, um, start doing it keep doing it, call me in 10 years. Oh, I could just cry. Which is, which is, of course, discouraging in a lot of senses, and then in some senses, it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's And who gave you that yeah. truth? This guy named Eugene Merman, who's a great comedian, he's He's actually on Bob's Burgers, the animated show on Fox. Well, you are every bit as nice as everyone told me that you are. And I am going to okay. send everyone I know to your show oh, and, and even give some you. tickets away. And and I hope I hope you get extended beyond May 29th. Do you hope that too, or do you need a break? I have to. to it's a must-close May 29th because I have to go out and tour 
with my movie Don't Think Twice because it's coming out nationwide in theaters um, in July. It's, it was just announced on Variety yesterday. And so it's going to be in hundreds of movie theaters, and it'll be, you know, it'll it'll be, I'm trying to think of what's near you. The Jacob Burns is near you, right? Right, right, right. So well, it'll, be, it'll probably be at the Jacob Burns. It'll be probably at the Sunshine or the IFC in Manhattan. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's going to be everywhere. It's, it, it premiered at South by Southwest and then Tribeca. So that's why, thank God for jokes, it's going to have... Uh, five more weeks and uh, yeah I'm very excited got artistic pursuits start doing it keep doing it call me in 10 years go see Mike Berbiglia soon in his one man show thank God for jokes in the village until the end of May and then look for his movie this summer don't think twice thank God for jokes dot com This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on 100.7 WHUD. If you have a question or need more information about things you've heard on the show, email kcradio at gmail.com. The Health and Happiness Show. Information, fun, and inspiration. Do your hands need a beauty makeover? Hands have always been a sign of elegance. And even if you have a youthful facial appearance, hands don't lie. Now there is an easy solution for aging hands. Radius is the first and only FDA-approved product to correct volume loss on your hands. Radius restores beauty by filling out that hollow look to the back of your hands, leaving them looking smooth and natural. Results can be seen immediately. Lidocaine is added to the Radius, making this a virtually painless procedure. In less time than it takes for lunch, the results of Radius hand lift treatment will make your hands soft and supple again. The procedure is safe and can last up to 15 months. Call today and schedule your hand lift consultation with Dr. David Bank. Dr. David Bank at the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. 914-241-3003. You'll find out more at thecenterforderm.com. Hi, Patty Holmes here with your Yoga Garden Minute and a bit of thought-provoking anatomy. Yoga teachers are always telling us to breathe. We focus on the movement of air as it travels in and out, but that's only half of the story. Can you guess where most of that oxygen gets delivered to? Which body part receives the greatest supply? If you guess the brain, good job, you're right. About 15 to 20% of our oxygen intake goes to our brains. Now, a tougher question. Which body part receives the second greatest amount of that oxygen supply? Your heart? Nope. Stomach? Nope. Lungs? No. Give up. Get ready for this one. The second greatest amount of incoming oxygen gets delivered to the deepest, most hidden parts of our bodies, all the way to the marrow of our bones. How cool is that? So now, full inhale. Feel it, finding its way deep, deep into your bones. This is Patty Holmes at yogagardenwp.com in White Plains, New York. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in to the Health and Happiness Show. Today, I introduce you to Naden Garcia, a young man who has gone to jail for the criminal lifestyle that he thought was his only option for a better life when he was growing up in Yonkers. Published by Far Country Press, his book is called Plan B, and it offers hope and advice for anyone who wants to turn their life around. Now, Naden makes a living as a motivational speaker. Could he have ever imagined this career when he was living life on the street? No, not at all. I've I've never even had a projection to to predict something like this happening. All all I wanted was my freedom back. I just wanted to be free. Um, 
genuinely I wanted to help others, not knowing how to. However, once I was I was released, um, and even before then, I started talking to a lot of old timers, a lot of old folks in there, and, and one of them, who is um, serving a life sentence, he had 18 years at the time, and he wrote 18 books, and I was learning from him, going back and forth. Um, just asking him questions, things that I wanted to know and, and learn how to maneuver myself out of here. And, and he taught me, he taught me how to write. And, and the book was something that I, I held close to me, um, not knowing, not expecting much from it to, to come to life the way it is now. Yeah. Um, but once it did, it, um, it just gave me such a big amount of hope that um, I, I couldn't turn it down. I couldn't turn, it, turn away from it because I came so far. Do you think you would have come this far if you hadn't been in jail? Maybe in a different way, but as, as far as I am now, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this has given me an, an open lane and, and has opened my mind to a lot more options. Now, where do you go when you need help? Where do you go when, when maybe things aren't right with your mind or your heart is unsettled? Where, where do you get your support from? Along, along this way, I've had a lot of mentors who I consider mentors, um, some pastors from the churches, um, some people who, who attend the churches as well. In the Nepahan Community Center is um, Dr. Bostic. He's um, the executive there, and I call on him sometimes just to get an insight on some of the things, but not every time there's going to be someone there to, to speak to and so you can vent. But for the most part, when I have really difficult decisions to make and I don't, and I know they're going to take time, I just go to sleep on them. I go to sleep on them and tomorrow I feel differently. The next day the, and following day, sometimes it takes longer than a day to make my decision, but um, I just take everything with patience, take everything as it comes and try not to overwhelm myself, trying to be a perfectionist every time. What changed you? How did you go from the kid you were to the man you are now? I think just the trials, the, the trials that I've, that I've been through, I think that what I've been through hurt me so much that I didn't want to go through it again. So I had to try something that I didn't try before. But more than anything, when I try to help others, even by just speaking and not necessarily putting the same pressure on them, because sometimes it's hard to talk to people who have an empty stomach because the necessities are right here. Yeah. And if they don't eat now, they don't eat later. So I understand where they are. So everybody's reality is different. So whether they change now or later, which I think happened to me, I went through something that changed me. So everybody's time will come because everybody, everybody's reality is different. Right. Well, if they live to see it happen, you know? Right. What did you need as, as a younger person that you weren't getting that led you to this life, you know, that ended up in jail? Oh, um, I could say a lot of things. One of the most important things that someone said to me as I was growing that I would have liked to know was that what I was doing was doing a life sentence one sentence at a time. And I didn't know, I didn't think of everything until everything happened. So out of that, what I got was a lot of patience. Back to decision-making, being paranoid, being paranoid about my own decisions and knowing that I have to, whatever decision I make, I have to live with. So pretty much just having a lot of patience with anything that you're doing. So when you were running on the street, you didn't realize you already were in a different kind of jail that you had sentenced yourself to one day at a time. Yeah, definitely, which was um, living, they call it a lifestyle. I like to call it a death style because... It's pretty much where it's headed. Um, 
unconsciously living living that way. So yeah, def- I definitely gave myself up to something that I, I wanted more out of, just a different way. In the life you were leading before jail, what were you looking for then? What was your driving force? Just a better living, just because growing in in a poverty-stricken community, poverty-stricken neighborhood, you know, the the prosperity level is very low. So you never never hope to be nothing too big. Um, So I think it's just a better living circumstances for my family, putting them in better places, making sure that we all get somewhere in life from, you know, far from where we started. But living that way, it just kind of consumes you without you knowing that you're stuck in a cycle that you think you're getting ahead and and you're really not. So crime felt like you were doing the right thing for your family. Crime felt like you were moving forward to get out of poverty. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wow. And what about like just getting a job at the local, I don't know what, was that an option? Yeah, it's it's always an option, and and you have some old folks that that have come by and and you know talk in your ear and, and let you know that you know there's there's other ways of making an income. However, it, it's a lot of pride that comes with being in those places. So for me to be working a nine to five and you know making minimum wage, you know it, it kind of strikes up my pride that the pride that I had before. So you know you kind of feel more superior than that, but right. So there was pride in being a criminal because you were, what, big man? People looked up to you? I I like to think so. And and the thing is that sometimes your name is bigger than you. So, or and it can be vice versa. But but the thing is that this is is sort of like a culture that that we're grown into. And this is all you know for for some time. And so my belief was in that, that Mm -hmm. that was going to get me out. How are we going to change that for your children and future generations? Well, pretty much what I'm doing now, is, is and, and it goes back and forth with family and, and even just community, is all I'm doing right now, knowing that I can't change everyone, and that that's fine, but the thing is that what I'm doing is just raising the awareness. I'm just giving people information. If they apply it, then great. If they don't, then it is what it is. But all we're doing is raising awareness, people who take the information and apply it to their life. Um, and I, But I wish everybody success. I wish everybody does well in their life. But um, if, if they don't take it, and, and that's what we're doing. We're just take, raising the awareness, taking this information and bringing it to the community. And same thing that I do with my children, same way. And just hope the best comes out of that. So, Far Country Press allows you to write books, and some of the from some of the proceeds from the book sales goes back into the prison systems to help inmates with cultural and and writing programs. Yeah, that's wow. correct. So you're helping on the outside, and you're helping on the inside. Yeah, definitely. All right. What do you want to tell, uh, maybe, to parents who have a child or a relative that's struggling with the kind of lifestyle, what you call death style? Uh, what can you say to those parents? Just pretty much keep keep their kids busy, get them involved in in, in the community um, with the programs that they have. Um, stay stay busy in school. Sit down and just speak to them. A, lo- a lot of the teachings come from start at home. They don't start at school, so those values, those morals, they can't get at school. They have to get them at home, and just give them everything that you've learned throughout throughout your experiences and 
just hope for the best. When, you know, they hit a certain age that they have to go, they have to fly. So you, you just hope for the best and, and that they make those right turns. So just keeping them aware of, you know, staying away from drugs, staying away from bad influences, bad crowds, um, and just keep them busy with sports. I think sports are great, and that this is why I, I want to get into sponsoring a, a little league team, catch them while they're young. Naden Garcia from Yonkers. Plan B is the book from Far Country Press. Wishing you a wonderful day. See you next week. You've been listening to The Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of The Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at kcradio.com. And join Casey for another edition of The Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on 100.7 WHUD.